The reading today is taken from Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant. So after last week, it's uh, good to see some people sitting in slightly different places. Um, and uh, for those, actually, we, one thing I didn't acknowledge last week is sometimes we sit where we sit for very practical reasons, and that's okay. Uh, just to let you know, it's all right to stay where you are. Um, but let's uh, pray as we uh, continue to consider what it means to be community together. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for what you've shown us about what it means to be a kingdom-focused community through your words, and pray that you'd inspire us afresh about that this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we're seeking to understand more and more what it means to be a community of people together, a community who are marked by love, driven by honour, and who are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness together, we need to acknowledge that this is something that is not always easy and won't always come naturally to us. As much as we might like it to be, uh, it's a difficult thing. And the reason it's difficult is because every single person in this room right now is different. We have different views, experiences, church backgrounds, family backgrounds, different experiences of God, or maybe not. Uh, We've had different influences on our lives. Uh, We probably all listen to a variety of radio stations, podcasts, YouTube videos, all of which will impact the way we respond to the world, to God, the Bible, and to one another. There'll be things that uh, you are passionate about that perhaps I'm not. There'll be things that I consider to be of the highest of importance that for you will be secondary at best. There will be understandings and experiences of God's character that you'll have that I won't have and vice versa. There'll be things that we agree on theologically and things that we don't agree on theologically. The reality is that church is a unique setting in which we're called to be together to love one another, and to see each other as family. Often with people we perhaps wouldn't naturally choose to spend our time with. Because what we feel more comfortable doing in life is surrounding ourselves with people, podcasts, newspapers, and videos that are more like us and support what we think and feel and believe. Even the internet does it for us. I don't know if you know about algorithms and how they work, but if you search something into Google, Google will decide what it, decide, what it wants to show you. And it will show you things that align with what you search for regularly. Uh, and so if you're always searching for the same things, then Google will show you things related to that. Uh, one example one person found is that he was looking at Pinterest, uh, at different recipes, and he looked at recipes to do with sprouts uh, for a couple of days in a row, and then for the rest of that week, every recipe it showed him was to do with sprouts. Uh, That's how those kind of things work. If we're always reading the same newspapers, we will always receive the same point of view uh, from a particular camp or particular group of people. It's just what we do. It's a natural part of life to surround ourselves with people who agree with us, who we're like, 
who we're like-minded with. And that's okay, it's a good thing. But church isn't quite like that. Because we're here in a group of people that we may not have naturally chosen to be with. It's often said quite family, you can choose your, uh, quite famously, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And I think that's just as true of the church today. Yet, we live in a time where people hop more from one church to the other than ever before in the hope that they can find and choose a family more like them. But we know that there's no such thing as a perfect church, and if you think you've found it, you've ruined it by stepping into it. (laughs) Because we're what make church imperfect. And when we're looking at the reality of being a community, what we have to realise and recognise is that every community is different. Every church community is different. Although we gather around the one thing that is Jesus Christ, we acknowledge that all the needs are different, the context is different, the people are different, therefore everything about it is different. Let's take, for example, uh, even just our own communities here. Uh, Mike beautifully prayed for the United Benefice earlier. And in our United Benefice, we have three church buildings, uh, all of which have different communities gathering around them for different things. And if you take the difference, for example, between us and St. Mark's, we get on very well, we relate together well, we believe the same things, we worship the same God, uh, we have the same sermons, we're, we're beautifully united. But here's what's different, one of the, just one very practical difference. When we have tea and coffee here, we're here for about an hour. Uh, It takes a a very long time for us to have tea and coffee together. And it's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful that we just have that shared community time together? We're catching up with one another. We've not seen each other perhaps from Sunday to Sunday. uh, And it's just a really lovely time of community. At St. Mark's, when we have tea and coffee once a month, people have their coffee, a quick chat, and then they go. And that difference isn't because there's anything wrong with the community of St. Mark's. It's because they see each other every day. Because that's a community of people gathered in their local church. So they'll see each other Monday morning when, when they're walking the dog. They'll see each other Tuesday night when they're in the pub. They'll see each other when they pop uh, down the road. They'll see each other every day. So Sunday is just an extension of their daily community. They're not getting anything wrong by not spending a long time having tea and coffee. It's just different. And the, the reality is that if we're trying to make our community like another community we've seen in the past then we're not able to fully invest in the community we have now because we're trying to make it something it's not meant to be because it's contextual to hear, unique to hear. And so it's important that when we're gathering together, we recognise those challenges and those difficulties. We recognise those differences and the context that we find ourselves in. And these tensions that we have when we try to form any kind of Christ-centred, Christ-loving community are not new. In fact, much of the New Testament, in fact, all of Paul's letters exist because of those tensions. If it wasn't for tensions in community, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament. Because most of it is Paul writing to a church and saying, look, you're having this struggle. We need to talk about this. We need to deal with this. Uh, I don't know if you know, but 1 Corinthians particularly and 2 Corinthians are both replies to letters that Paul received from Corinth that we don't have where he received reports of what was going on, uh, issues with the community, issues with people's relationships. And so he's writing to them to say, look, let's face this together. Let's deal with this together. So we know that challenges of community are not new. And Romans 12 
is, is no exception. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, a church that he loves uh, very much, a church that he longs to be with. He's heard of their struggles, he's heard of their difficulties of disunity, and he's writing to them. And we said that over this season, we're looking at a number of different values for us as a church, what matters to us, what's important to us. And a number of those come from Romans 12, uh, particularly uh, the, the passages from sort of verse 9 onwards. And verse 15, which we just heard read by Ursula, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited, do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I find it remarkable so often in scripture that so few sentences can cause so much challenge to us. I mean, that's that's just a few sentences, just a few words, but how challenging are they to receive? This, This whole living in community thing is not an easy thing. I don't think anyone ever promised it would be, uh, but the reality is we're all different. We all come with those differences, and that's a good thing to be celebrated But as we're learning what it means to be a kingdom-minded community, and as we've been thinking particularly in recent weeks about the importance of vulnerability and honesty with one another, I want to explore that further as we look at what it means to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I actually want to do it the other way around, so we're going to do weep with those who weep first. In some translations it says weep, in some it says mourn, Uh, it doesn't matter. We know Uh, And we can almost guarantee that times of of sadness will hit any community. If a group of people gather together, we know that it's a given that there will be times of sadness and grief. I was talking with someone the other day, and we were saying that regardless of how much wealth you have, success or status, how many people you have around you, what kind of life you've built, the reality is in all of our lives, if we love, we will feel loss. And let's face it, it's not easy. It's a hard reality of life. There are people in our family here, in our community here right now today, this church family, who are going through really tough times. Illness, treatment, depression, financial hardship, relationship difficulties, unemployment. And it's important that we acknowledge these things together. Last week, I said that one of the most exhausting things we can do as Christians is is wear a mask, pretend that everything's okay when it's not. And we have to spend two hours here on a Sunday morning pretending to be someone we're not. And it can be really exhausting. Uh, When I got home, on that Sunday I was saying about the importance of vulnerability and being our true selves with one another. And then uh, when I got home, Lynn and I were talking about that and Lynn said we need to bear in mind that being vulnerable can be exhausting too. Because one of the hardest things is that when we open up to people and show our true selves and show our struggles, one of the things that can happen is it can change the way people view us or respond to us or react to us. They can almost sometimes tiptoe around us a little bit and want to be really careful not to say the wrong thing. And so therefore they may say nothing at all. Uh, or they may go too far the other way and try to fix us and try to fix the situation when actually that's not what we need. 
Uh, maybe they just don't know how to respond. And, and that's not their fault. It's not a blaming of anything. It's just a recognition that it can be really, really difficult. And what we need as a community and what any community of love marked by kingdom and honour needs is it needs to recognise those difficulties and just be with each other through them. Not brush them under the carpet and pretend they're not there, but equally not live as if you know, it's the only thing in the world, but that we're with one another. And there's a wonderful Jewish tradition that we've talked about before, and I make no apologies for mentioning again, and I will say again, you have to be very careful how you say it. It's called Sit Shiva. And it's a wonderful tradition that when somebody is mourning or grieving, they've just lost a loved one, then a group of the community will go round to their house and sit Shiva with them, which basically means just sitting with them. And they don't say a word. They don't try to come up with the answers or find the silver lining around the cloud. They don't try to find the solutions or have words of comfort to say. They just sit. In silence, if that's what the person wants. If the person wants to speak, they will speak. If they don't want to speak, they won't speak. If the person cries, they cry with them. If the person laughs, they laugh with them. Sit Shiva is a wonderful, wonderful model that we need to see more of in community. Now, in a way, we can look at it and say, well, mourning with those who mourn or weeping with those who weep is, is an easy thing to do, but it does require vulnerability of ourselves. Uh, Brené Brown says that the difficult thing with empathy and coming alongside people is it means that we have to acknowledge somewhere in ourselves where we've experienced that pain before. And that can be hard too. But then also we're called to rejoice with those who rejoice. And that sounds wonderful and lovely, doesn't it? It's great. Yeah, we rejoice and we celebrate with one another when things are going great, when that new job comes along or, or that new baby comes along or that marriage happens or the new home is found and we rejoice and we celebrate those things together. Uh, but that can be difficult too because in order to rejoice with those who rejoice, we need to lay down envy We need to lay down our expectations of what we want and we may need to lay down some of our hopes and dreams just for a moment in order to celebrate them in someone else. And that can be really hard. And the wonderful thing is that although this sounds quite bleak and hopeless at the moment, (laughs) is that we don't do any of this stuff alone. Because it's not our community we're building. It's It's the community of the king. The community of the God of compassion that we've been singing about. The God of love and mercy. Forgiveness. The God who is present with us. Emmanuel, God with us, as we were celebrating just a few weeks ago. And need to make sure we don't forget. That he is always Emmanuel, God with us. In us. Through us. For us. He is here. And so he is what makes the difference to our community. He is what marks this community out or any church community out from any other group of people who gather together around a common cause. He is what marks us out from a particular football fandom. He's what marks us out from a particular group of people who gather around particular hobbies. Because there are communities everywhere. But what this community is marked by is love. And not just any love. The love of the God who himself is love. And has shown that to us in Jesus.
And so we owe it to one another to do for each other what Jesus has done for us. And what he's done for us on the cross and through the resurrection is he's made it possible for God to look at us, for us to be fully seen. Everything about us, masks off, fully known and yet fully loved and accepted. That's remarkable, isn't it? Can you think of any one you know who can do that? You might think, oh, my spouse, my spouse can do that. But even they may not see you fully. And at times they may not accept you and love you fully. But he does. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the cross, because of what that's done to change how he sees us. He loves us unconditionally before and after the cross. He loves us and so he did the cross. He sent Jesus for the cross. And he continues to love us and accept us as we are. And so that's what we owe to one another. To see each other as fully as people would let us see them. And to accept them as they are. And to love them as they are. And there's a big challenge that goes with that we're going to look at in a moment. But first I just want to look at three values. One of which we introduced last week. And I'm repeating it on purpose. Don't worry, I haven't made a mistake here. Um, But the first one is this. We seek to have a teachable spirit, not thinking of ourselves or our beliefs more highly than we ought. And to grow in our understanding of true humility. Now we've talked about this before, about the importance of having a teachable spirit, of making it clear that we know that we don't necessarily have it right, that none of us necessarily have it right, that there are many different ways uh, and experiences in life, as we said at the beginning, uh, and not that one person is more right than another. We need to always be prepared for the fact that we might have it wrong, and that can be hard, and it requires humility but the right kind of humility because we've talked before about humility and we'll talk about it again and we may talk about it in the video that if I if I do one this week is that the right understanding of humility is not thinking uh, less of yourself and putting yourself down but it's thinking of yourself less so that you think of others more and that's what we want in our community is to be a people who think of others more than we think of ourselves Uh, And that requires humility. It requires having a teachable spirit, listening to one another, hearing from one another, and respecting one another. Secondly, this is a reminder of the one last week, I think. Yet we hold the role of testimony highly, seek to create opportunities to hear about God's goodness and his faithfulness in all our lives as often as we can. Because when we're rejoicing with those who rejoice, or we're mourning with those who mourn, whatever it is, but particularly the rejoicing thing, is that we're not rejoicing in what we have done. That's not what Paul is calling us to do. We're rejoicing in what God has done in our lives. And even if we find it hard, we can all do that because we know that he's worthy of praise. And if we've seen his faithfulness and goodness in someone else's life and they share that, we can celebrate that together whatever we are facing because we're not celebrating them, we're celebrating God and God in them and God with them and God through them and therefore trusting that he is the same for us. And thirdly, We rely fully on the Holy Spirit and recognise that the fruits are a symptom of having relationship with him. Now the fruits of the Spirit are quite remarkable. 
we, we know them all, I'm sure, in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we're called to have those things in our lives. There's a desire that we display those things in our life, but not in just a normal way. See, anyone can be patient if they try hard enough, if they practice it enough. But we're called to be supernaturally patient. Patient in times when it seems impossible to be patient. Most people can choose to love, but we're called to love supernaturally at times when it's most difficult to love. Most people can show kindness, but we're called to supernatural kindness. All of those things that we list in the fruits of the Spirit are symptoms of having relationship with him, with the Spirit. That we recognize the, relation, the Spirit, Holy Spirit is not functional, he's relational. In the same way as the Father and the Son are. He's not the add-on, tag-on extra of the Trinity. He is God. And so we rely on him for our community life together as much as we rely on Jesus for our salvation. And, and uh, that, that relying fully thing is what I want us to focus on because we rely on the Spirit for the things that it's obvious to rely on the Spirit for. Like it's obvious to rely on the Spirit if perhaps we're praying for healing for someone or we're seeking a prophetic word. It's obvious to rely on the Spirit if we're uh, wanting to, uh, you know, him to lead us in worship and that kind of thing. Those kind of things are obvious. But do we rely on the Spirit to help us be the community he wants us to be? Do we rely on the Holy Spirit for our relationships? for our connections with other people, for how we engage with each other, for how we approach one another on a Sunday morning or when we see each other in the week. Are we relying fully on the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives, including the building of our community? Because when it comes to mourning with those who mourn, what we have to remember is that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit is the wonderful counsellor. So what we can do is help each other experience him together when we're going through times of sorrow as a community and finding him together it breaks my heart when I see people treat the spirit as functional and they're missing out on relationship with him the one who knows us better than we know ourselves and who knows our needs more than we do and can meet them far better than anyone else or anything else can. And so, through this season, I'm setting uh, a number of challenges to help us reflect on these, uh, uh, these things. And someone said to me that last week they, that the challenge was really, really difficult. Uh, and the week before the challenge was really difficult as well. And this week's no different. Um, In the past, I've said I'd like to set a little challenge. There's nothing little about this challenge because this has been just as much a challenge to me um, as anything else that I've I've prepared this week or anything I've thought through with this sermon series. And it's to ask this question because I think in order to be a kingdom-minded community who seek love and honour above all else, we need to ask this question. Are we seeing people as people and not projects? Is there anyone in this room we're hoping will change so they will be easier to deal with? Maybe so they'll be more like us. 
Or maybe they'd just be easier to relate to if they could just change that about them. Maybe you're thinking that in your marriage. If they could just change, then things will be easier. Maybe you're thinking that with other relationships around you. Maybe even in your evangelism, you're seeing people as little projects. If, I, if that person can come to faith, and if I can evangelize that person or make that person believe in Jesus, then their life will get better and my life will be easier. But that's not the motive, because that's seeing people as projects, not as people. What we need to do is look around us and acknowledge that we all are children of God. Every single person in this room. So we ask that question, do we see people as people, not projects? Next question, is there anyone I'm trying to make more like me? (laughs) And then the third question, which ties in with the challenge of last week when we said about Holy Spirit, where shall I sit today? Is there anyone who needs me today? Is there anyone here who needs me today? Who needs me to just sit Shiva with them? To come alongside them, to see them... Uh, as a person. Now they're not easy questions. And they're not easy to do. And at the root of these things is, is the prayer that I've, I've said before. That is a very difficult to pray, prayer to pray. And that prayer is Jesus help me to see people the way you do. It's very dangerous. Very dangerous prayer to pray. And because that can hurt. But I think if we're going to be. More and more, because I think we already are, but if we're going to continue to be and grow in being a kingdom-minded community who are marked by love, driven by honour, then we need to be prepared to see each other as people. Fellow children of God, loved by the Father, died for by Jesus, filled with the Spirit, fully seen, fully known, fully loved, and fully accepted. Because that's who we are to him. So let's be that to one another. Amen. I'm going to ask Becky to come and lead us. And as we lead worship, uh, as, we, as we continue in song worship, we want to give an opportunity to respond today because we know that's uh, difficult that maybe there's someone in your life that you've been seeing as a project more than a person uh, and that's been a bit of a challenge or maybe you're feeling that you uh, are maybe on the edge of community a little bit um, or you're struggling to make community into something that uh, maybe it's not or whatever the challenge may be then um, the number of the Prime Minister team so Mary and and, um, Janet are on Prime Ministry today I'm going to ask you guys are you happy to come sit somewhere near the front now so that if as we sing if you want to come and pray or be prayed for then they'd be delighted to do that for you or if you want to do that after the service then you're welcome to do that why don't we stand together and as i said we rely fully on the holy spirit and i'm just sensing just a bit of heaviness here that people are just feeling oh well, that's a big call that's a big challenge But I want to iterate more and more and more that we're not doing this alone and we're not doing it for ourselves so that we look good. We're doing it because we want to be a people who are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, would you you show us what we need to see of you? Would you reveal to us what we need to experience of you 
in order to know that you're with us in this. Holy Spirit, you're already here, but would you make us more aware of your presence and purposes for us? Father, if there's anyone here who doesn't feel that they are fully accepted and loved by you, Spirit, would you show them the truth? I just wonder if God is saying that every single one of us matters to him. That there's no one here or no one you know who doesn't matter to him right now.